Hey folks, thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Trey Gonzalez of All Sports Best. And today we get some really great insight on the minor league mindset, uh, coaching athletes for life and easing people into life without baseball. That's Matt Marizio. He's going to tell us all about it. And it's just a different angle on sports that we don't typically get. You get the glitz, you get the glamour, you get all of the money and all of that stuff. But how do they take care of it? And how do they stay focused with all of the different variables that go into the hardships of being a professional athlete at the lowest level before reaching that ultimate stage? Guys, without further ado, here's our interview with Matt Marizio. Welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. Turn up the volume because it's time for your favorite sports show. Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. I'm Trey, your host. Thank you for uh, checking out the show. Today, we have a very special guest on in Matt Marizio, and I can't wait to hear all about what he does. He is a Kansas City Royal uh, minor league mentor. He is a financial advisor. He has uh, plenty of experience in sports, including his own career in baseball. Matt, how are you doing today? Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me, Trey. When you asked, I thought like, wow, what a cool opportunity. So really honored to be on, on the show. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, just kind of to start us off. I mean, with the introduction that I gave you, I, I, I know a little bit about what you do, but I'd love for you to expand on the Kansas City Royals mentorship that you are involved in. Cool. Yeah, that's a re- it's a real honor to be part of that. So the Royals, a few years ago, a couple years ago, 2020 was a wash for the minor leagues. It didn't happen. But mm-hmm. in 2019, they rolled out a new mentorship program to minor leaguers. And I was I was tabbed as one of three out of the last decade, basically, for that front office staff, one of three guys to kind of be a pilot mentor to get the program off the ground. Wow! So that was such an honor and really humbling. Um, and the goal for the whole program is to help grow quality young men, not just quality athletes. Because I don't know if you, I don't know the actual numbers, but statistically, the odds of even as a minor leaguer making it to the big leagues are so minimal especially as you get to be a later round draft pick then mm-hmm. the Royals recognize, Hey, this is, and it was for me and it is for any player, such a influential season of somebody's life that the Royals recognize an opportunity of, Hey, we can sow into these guys mm-hmm. beyond just athletics. So let's try and do that. So I, I admire them for that. It's really humbling. It's a real honor to, to be part of that program. And we just get to be there for the guys as somebody who's not, a front office staff or a coach, somebody who's not actually working for the Royals. I don't work for the Royals. It's volunteer. They just asked me to do it. And it's really nice for those guys, for those guys to just have us, the three of us as somebody who's been there, done that, seen a lot, not seen everything, but can maybe help coach them through some of the stuff that they can't get advice from or don't want advice from, from who they have currently at their disposal. Sure. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, program that they're doing. And I think that that actually goes beyond just this is a business because that's typically what we think of in sports, right? It's, you know, this is a business. Sorry, you just got traded. We didn't tell you about it. That's what happens. They actually seem to care about the players individually. Um, Is that just unique to the Kansas City Royals? Do they do that anywhere else? 
I think they do it in a couple other organizations, but I, I'm not familiar with how the programs are designed. Mm. But it's more rare, I will say. It's not okay. a it's not a common thing across all organizations. Yeah, they they are pretty special in that regard, and they they have they were like that when I was drafted in '06, and still like that. I, um, so I admire them for that. What they're trying to do for the minor league teams. Sure, absolutely. Minor league players. You are a financial advisor, and I know that there's always been talks around athletes, especially when they make it to the big leagues, when they make it, uh, or even when they first get drafted and they're at a high pick, they make a lot of money very quickly. Instant millionaires, as we've seen every single year on TV, right? So I wanted to talk about money in sports. Why is it so easy for a pro athlete to go broke? And um, I kind of want your financial advisor expertise on this. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Here's the here's the uh, non exciting, probably truth though, uh, is that the majority don't really. I mean, if they have the, a plan in place, okay, and they have somebody in their corner, the the majority don't go broke. So I think it's okay. so easy for somebody to go broke. Now the stats are real. Uh, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but statistically, there are a lot that lose their money within three to five years after their playing career. Wow. And it, it becomes a lifestyle that they can't keep up. When you're earning millions of dollars a year, tens of millions sometimes, you have a certain lifestyle. And you stop earning that money, you want to maintain that lifestyle. It's it's impossible mm-hmm. to, to maintain that without that same income, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a the big reason to me that people, excuse me, athletes will go broke shortly after their playing career ends is because they weren't to me, they weren't educated in advance on how money works and how to use it as a tool to kind of help them live the life life they're called to live. Because even the best athletes on planet earth stopped their career in the mid forties. Right. Mm -hmm. And they still have, half the second half of their life to live there's still tons of time for them to use that money they earned as a tool to continue fulfilling whatever mission they feel like they're they're put on earth to fulfill so i think when they don't have a plan and they don't more importantly have an education they feel like well i don't know what to do with this money kind of like a lot of us will try to do something with what's left over at the end of the month. And there's almost nothing left over at the end of the month. Cause we spent it all every single month. Right. Um, you know, so I think that's probably the real reason, but I will tell you, man, that the, the majority that actually recognize, Hey, this is an area that I don't know. And I need to therefore bring in somebody in that, that part of my world to help me through it, to coach me through it the same way I have a hitting coach or pitching coach. I have a money coach. We'll say, Mm-hmm. Those guys, by and large, they, they're okay. After they don't, they don't go broke. They'll, sure. they'll only go broke if you see the headlines where their financial advisor or somebody in their corners cheating them and stealing from them. Mm-hmm. But that's that's rare. You know, that happens sadly. But you know, that's that's not a that that makes the headlines. So it makes it feel like it's really common because it's you know fear and drama sells headlines. Oh yeah, I would I wouldn't say it's the norm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And, and I was also wanting to kind of touch in on that. Um, as far as mindset goes, when an athlete makes it to the top of their sport, um, like you said, the, the lifestyle kicks in, but they feel like, you know what, even if when I finish playing, I stop making millions, I'm going to be okay to make that up because I know how to work hard and get to where I want to get. Do you feel like that kind of plays a role as well 
feeling like you're almost invincible? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that goes back to not having a plan. I think that um, as an athlete, a player co- matures in their career, they recognize more so than when they first are drafted. Mm-hmm. They recognize that, hey, this is a there's a finite time here for me. I realize that I can't. I'm not going to do this forever. It does happen. You know, if an athlete is blessed to play five, six, seven plus years in, in the in the major leagues or the top of their level, they start to recognize, yeah, this is not forever. And then they start to have to make a plan and understand. You know, hopefully they've done it already. But if not, by then they do realize, like, hey, I'm going to have to do something beyond this. This yeah. is not forever. I'm going to have a lot of life to live. I'm 30. I'm 32 and I can see that this is not forever, but I don't feel like I'm dead yet. You know, I still got plenty of the plenty of gas in the tank for other stuff. Yeah. So they, they start to hopefully they'll, they'll recognize, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be making this money. I can't spend like this forever. Mm-hmm. This is fun for now, but I'm going to make a plan. So I will say that that actually happens more than just the, the high, high, hard charging, high performance mindset go, go, go. And then the playing career stops. I'll spend recklessly and hopefully find a high paying job mm. that actually doesn't, doesn't happen as much. Good. Well, it's, it's good to hear that though, because you know, you, yeah. like you said, I mean, the headlines do sell when you have yeah. drama and, and all of that stuff. And again, I'm talking about the guys that have somebody like me or, or anybody that's trustworthy that understands money in their corner. Mm-hmm. So I can't really speak for the guys cause I don't, um, I've had some interaction with some beyond the fact, but it's it's almost too late if sure. you come to me and say, "Hey, I I don't have my money anymore, but um, what can we do?" You know, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Let's start from scratch and rebuild. But, <laughs> yeah, but um, speaking from the perspective of somebody who's got somebody in their corner for the for the majority of their career, they tend to they tend to do okay. Sure. Uh, all right, Matt. What was the MILB? grind like for you what was it like in the minor leagues i've heard a lot of stuff about how tough it is i've heard a lot of things about you know made great friends there's there's all kinds of um i guess perspectives on this what was yours yeah i'll start by saying that's that in hindsight especially that five those five seasons were the most probably some of the most influential and formative years of my life Mm -hmm. i'm forever grateful for those seasons because I reflect back every single day and I realize the way I conduct myself professionally, personally, I can almost attribute every single element of my life back to what I learned and who I became as a pro athlete. It's even, even more beyond, um, beyond the college years as a professional athlete, there's something about that in the middle, playing in the middle of nowhere with guys you don't know in a business now, all kind of working toward a similar, the same goal, bunch of individuals on a team, but not the same team camaraderie as a, as a college team, mm-hmm. you really grow up and you grow up pretty quickly and it's, and it's really, really powerful. So I will say that I, I'm forever grateful for those years. I feel like I got an MBA in life during those years, um, but it was cool, man. It was hard, really tough. You know, you earn, I don't know for anybody that's listening that this is interesting to you earn only you only get paid during the months of the actual season. So April through the first week of September is a minor league season. Mm. So you're paid for those months of the year. The rest of the year, you don't actually collect a paycheck. And in those years, you probably, 
as a minor leaguer, with the exception of some free agent signs, it's like a minority. The most don't make really more than 10 grand a year, mostly less. Wow. Ten, you know, so seven, six, seven, eight grand a year. That's your, that's your annual salary. So you always have to find, if you don't have a signing bonus to dip into, or you, even if you do and you're managed and you're not touching it, you, you got to find off season jobs. You gotta, you gotta hustle. It, it, I could go on and on forever, but I will say that those years of my life were the most formative. They taught me a bunch. Um, really cool experience. Oh, I bet, man, that's crazy. There's a lot that goes into it beyond what people think. I, I do feel like the common yeah. mindset, um, it goes back to media is, you know, it's just very hard, but we don't think about how much money, um, you know, you have to try and make up in the off season. Um, all right. Yeah. So how did you make the difficult decision to move on from baseball with the Royals? Um, they, that one, even though it was a difficult time, the decision was easy. They made it for me. They, they, okay. in the baseball world, they call it getting released, but mm. you know, in the, in the rest of the world, they call it getting fired. That's just what happened. I <laughs> okay. mean, my time had come. I played four seasons as a catcher. Um, as a back, when I started becoming a backup catcher, I couldn't, I really couldn't hit water if I fell off a boat. So that's, that's not a good path to the, to the big leagues. And I converted to pitcher my last season. And the reality was uh, I was a dime a dozen right-hander. Um, you know, that's just the truth. And that's the business side of it. I was doing, I was throwing the same speed with relative control as like another 17, 18, 19 year old. And I'm 25 at the time. Like mm -hmm. the business side says, well, we have six, seven years for these, this guy to try and get to where you already are basically. So the investment's going to be made in that player, not you. So sure. you're out, you know, that's just how it works. And I get it. Um, so that was it, man. They told me time had come. That was a moment forever ingrained in my mind as one of those inflection points in my life. And it was really hard because it's something you're singularly focused on as like a five or six year old boy. At least I was. Yeah. And then at 25, you know, the, pretty much 20 years later, somebody just tells you, you know what? Dream's over. Mm. And that's it. You have to face that reality. And, but that's okay. Um, I've really, really grown from that, but that's how it happened. Okay. All right. Um, I wanted to kind of get into, um, you know, cause like you said, you started at a very young age. There's a lot of athletes that do that for their sport in particular, even if they don't know what their favorite sport is, they start loving the fact that uh, you can play something and have a good time with friends. Um, and, and then it becomes almost like a job later on. Um, I wanted to know if you had any advice for athletes with big league dreams, professional dreams. It doesn't just have to be about baseball, but you know, the work ethic that goes into it and, and some, some tips for them. Yeah. The, my tip or my piece of advice is to keep going. You know, I think, that too many athletes let the outside words, the outside, um, the, the outside influence control their mind. And when that happens, meaning the people closest to you, at least this is my experience and the experience of many, many others I've talked to many other high performers. This is true in business. This is true with almost anybody that has a big dream. The people that are closest to you, they love you the most. They're probably going to be the first to tell you, Hey, you got to quit on that dream. Cause that's not, that's not a reality. Mm -hmm. And they're coming from a place of love. They're telling you, I don't want to see you hurt. 
I don't want to see your dreams crushed. So I'm going to kind of safeguard you from that and tell you that you should probably consider an alternative because in all likelihood, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you as a young athlete hearing that it hurts as a young professional hearing that with big dreams, it'll hurt. Um, you know, an entrepreneur starting a business and their whole family tells them don't do it. That hurts, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to be crystal clear on your vision. If you don't really see yourself and by, by see yourself, I mean, embody the entire experience of being a big leaguer as a young kid. So if you're 12, 15, thinking you're going to be at the professional ranks of whatever sport you're in, if you can't close your eyes and see yourself on the sidelines, in the games, hear the whistle, um, hear the crack of the bat, hear the crowd, smell the grass, whatever. If you're not doing that regularly, you're not going to make it. It's going to be hard enough to make it. But if you can't believe, have that level of certainty and belief in yourself, it's going to be really, really difficult because there's a lot of talented players out there. You can't get there on talent alone. I'm here to tell you. There's mm. a small number on planet Earth that actually can make it on talent alone. The rest are going to have to have that inner mental strength to be able to say, I recognize odds are against me, but I, I don't put myself in the same bucket as the rest of the world. I see myself differently and I see myself there and I know it's going to happen. Great advice. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So, and you, so you are a big advocate for visualization. I am. I think without it, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Hmm. That's how, how, how big I believe in it. And, and here you go. I'll, I'll take that one more step. As a young kid, I saw myself in the bottom of the ninth at Fenway Park. I, I'm outside of Boston. So I saw myself, and we all have done it, I'm sure, um, in the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. I'm up to bat, two outs. And I saw myself hitting game-winning hits. I heard the crowd. I felt the fans, like, come and hug me. And, and you know, I experienced those those moments in my mind. And I almost – I could – physically feel them happening as a young kid mm. and i'm here to tell you that when i got there professionally and i was playing in the minor leagues i lost those feelings and i lost those visualizations i didn't do it anymore i didn't see myself there and i'm not saying that hey if i just visualized i definitely would have made the big leagues because the truth is there's a lot of lot much much more better players there's a lot more better players out there than me mm-hmm. so i don't know that that would have happened but I can tell you that I had that vision and, and visualized not just in my mind, but actually incorporated all my senses. I could smell, feel, hear, see, I, all of it um, as a kid. And then I got drafted. So it kind of worked. And then That's I true. Was, was at that level and I couldn't smell, hear, see, feel it anymore. So there's something to it, man. I, I'm telling you, there's something to that experiencing in your mind your mind your subconscious almost can't separate reality um what's fake from what's real so you kind of experience those moments over and over and over internally and your subconscious mind sort of believes it to be true and i don't know there's some truth to it man i'm a believer in that i love that that's that's incredible and no I'm, i'm totally with you it's it's crazy to think that you know visualization is is a great tool but like you said to take it a step even further to be able to go and and smell it and and see it and hear it and all of that stuff it's just that much um it's just that much pow- more powerful yeah all right, all right. yeah so matt i wanted to talk about um 
the financial advisor part of you one more time. Uh, do you have any cool. financial tips uh, for the average Joe just, you know, trying to get started on their business or just trying to take care of their, uh, their money? Yeah, my biggest tip, and this is probably the easiest one that all of us, if we want to, could implement right after this show. And, and this tip, and I'm not exaggerating, this tip can quite literally change the trajectory of your life if you do it. And it's as simple as including your investments, first off, automate the investments and include them as part of your monthly bills. Mm. Okay. So what I mean is, well, let me back up the typical scenario that somebody goes through when they're trying to figure out how much they should invest and how to get started is they get their paycheck. They live their life. Their month, whole month goes by. They get a couple checks. They pay their bills. They go out, they do whatever they need to do. And it's the 30th of the month or whatever. And they're looking at what's left in their bank account. And they say, ah, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't seem like there's enough left to even do anything with. Like, mm. I'll get it next month. And that cycle will continue for literally decades because it's called lifestyle creep. You, you end up, you end up growing up and having a family, having kids or, or, or wanting to do more and traveling more, whatever your lifestyle is, ends up costing more money. Mm-hmm. Now you almost never have tons left over at the end of every month. It's very rare for that to actually happen. So what I say to people is okay. The same way you might automate your mortgage bill or your rent bill or your car bill or your heat or your electricity, whatever, include in those monthly recurring fixed costs, a number that goes toward an investment account and make it automatic. You don't have to think about it. It just pulls out of your account the same way your heat bill does Mm. or your electric bill. And if you do that, now you're paying yourself or you're paying your investments, paying your future first. So it doesn't really matter what's left over at the end of the month because you've already contributed toward your investment account. Right. Wow. So you almost just don't even have to think about it at all. You don't think about it. You set it up, set it as either a percentage of your income, set it up as a fixed dollar number. I like the idea of a percentage because as your income grows, your contributions will grow. Um, But sometimes for some people, that's too much math and too much work. So they're Mm -hmm. easier with just, I'll give up. I'll get a straight dollar number. And if I earn more money, I'll just change that dollar number. That's fine too. Whatever it is. The point is the discipline of setting that account up and contributing to it as part of your monthly expenses so that you're not worrying at the end of the month, how much is left in there and and is it worth even putting any investment account? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm over here taking notes right now on everything you're saying. That's fun. That's, That's wonderful. And that's, I'm telling you, man, that's true for somebody who's just starting out and it's yeah. just as true for somebody who has $10 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason they have $10 million in the bank is probably because they got really good at doing that really early in life. Okay. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. I do appreciate it. You have a lot of insight on both baseball and finance. Um, I love to see that. Guys, if you want to interact with Matt, you can find him where? You know, the... I'm probably most active on Instagram. Okay. It's just my name at Matt Marizio. You know, I also have a website with over 60 blogs of finance stuff. If you, if you want to learn about personal finance, go ahead. And there's probably a topic written on it there. It's just my name, Matt 
Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Um, also, if you want some insight from Matt or um, anything from All Sports Best on uh, live, you can go and find us on Clubhouse. Just uh, send us a direct message and uh, we can put you in the right direction. Um, Matt, any last words before we go? Yeah, I just appreciate you having me. Um, thank you for this opportunity. I think it's, I think it's really plain from the finance side. I think it's just plain wrong that people don't have access to life-changing financial education. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my mission now is to help people set themselves up for, you know, having a healthy relationship with money, taking control of their finances so they can live the life that I think they're put on earth to live. So that's the reason for the blog. That's the reason we'll do podcasts. And that's the reason I'm so, so public and forthcoming with any and all information. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. I, I wish you the very best of luck and we'll keep in touch. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the All Sports Best Podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and join the conversation. Till next time, this is the All Sports Best Podcast. Ah!